0: Uh, Thanks, guys, for joining us today at the Selling North Georgia podcast. I'm Corey Shields.
1: I'm Michael Williams.
0: And today we are here with Mr. Brad Ramsey of First National Community Bank. Brad, thank you for being here. Uh, Absolute pleasure. So let's just get right to it. Okay. Um, First National Community Bank, how would you describe that to... um the general public and and what are you up to over
1: there?
2: Yeah, so uh, First National Community Bank, formerly known as First National Bank of Chatsworth, um, about...
1: Let's be honest, it's still known as First National (laughs) Chatsworth. To a lot of folks, especially in
2: Chatsworth it is. Um, You know, about eight or nine years ago, I guess it was, we changed the name to First National Community Bank. Um, The thought process there was just, uh, you know, from a geographic standpoint, making sure our customers and, and prospects Uh, knew that that we were more than just a Chatsworth bank, Um, but we've been around since 1975. Uh, A lot of folks uh, know us as Paul Ross's bank, Mm -hmm. Um, Paul Ross is one of the founders. Um, So we're in 2021 now, so 46 years going strong. Uh, We've got 10 offices, two loan production offices, uh, one mortgage office. Uh, We're all local bankers, we've got a local board of directors, we make our decisions locally. Um, We're the epitome of a true community bank. Um, as far as what I do there, um, I'm uh, my officer title, senior vice president from a functional standpoint. Um, I am a, a commercial lender. So I deal with uh, primarily business clients, uh, real estate investors, and, um, you know, just, just help folks buy assets, grow businesses, start businesses, and, and fund that growth. Cool. Uh,
1: so you know. said real estate investors, Corey and I are both investors and Absolutely. have a ton of clients that are. so. I want to invest in real estate, and I've never done it before. Yeah, I come to see you. What are you telling me?
2: So, the first question I'm going to ask is, what's your goals? Okay. So, you know, goals can be, uh, you know, from an investor side, is it a fix and flip that you're wanting to get into, you know, make a quick buck, or is it a long-term hold situation where it's a rental property and you you envision okay. that being a portfolio property that you're, you know, wanting to reap the, the benefits of cash flow? Okay. So once I understand that. Um, you know, my, my first piece of advice is, is simply build a team. Mm-hmm. And, and what I mean by that is uh, I'm a big proponent of, you know, there's there's four building blocks in my opinion. Um, you gotta have a good realtor, you gotta have a good banker, you gotta have a good CPA, and you've got to have a good attorney. So, uh, you know, that's gonna be one of my first questions is, is tell me about your team. And um, from there, I like to say, Lending money or, or money from a bank standpoint, it's a commodity. Okay, it's it's green. Everybody's rates are going to be similar. Everybody's terms are going to be similar. So, um, so how do I distinguish myself? Accessibility and my knowledge is is really what sets me apart from any other uh, community banker in the area. From a knowledge standpoint, you know I've been there. Mm-hmm. I've I've done flips. I've been an investor myself. Um, I know a lot of the pitfalls. Um, I know a lot of the uh, you know, the problem areas I've, I've had those one o'clock in the morning phone calls, you know, septic <laughs> tanks backing up and hot water <laughs> heater quit and so forth. So um, I, I feel like I add value from that standpoint, um, you know, especially to a new investor mm-hmm. and, and even a seasoned investors am just a, another person to bounce an idea off of and mm-hmm. and, you know, not only lend money, but lend advice.
0: Yeah. And I think there, so there's so many people who want to get into flipping houses, especially with, you know, how popular it is on TV and everything. So somebody who wants to get into that, what do they need to come to you with? I know you said to know who their team is, but what else do they have to prove to you to make you feel comfortable funding their deal?
2: You know, I'm gonna look for experience. You know, the, the hardest, the hardest loan for me to make is somebody that comes to me with no cash and no experience. So, you know, oh, I found this deal. And uh, I can make fifty grand on it, and but I got to move quick. Mm-hmm. Well, that, that that makes things difficult if you have no cash and you've never done this before. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, as far as uh, what might
1: be even worse yeah. is if they have done it before and have no cash. It's that's like, like, <laughs> right. Wait a minute. That's exactly right. This didn't work out like yeah. it was supposed to. Yeah, where they, they blew all
2: their cash on buying a new you know new car or something yeah, like that's that. Right. So, <laughs> um, what, go back to your question, Corey.
0: Uh, Just saying. What do they bring you? Yeah. What do they need to bring to you to prove to you like, oh, this is, I'll give you money. I I feel good about this. Yeah.
2: Um, Like I said, initially it's just that first conversation, you know, you got to have a good gut feeling about somebody. Um, If they've, if they've got their team built, maybe they've got some experience in renovating properties. Uh, Maybe they don't have any experience, but they're partnering with a, you know, a general contractor or somebody that does have that experience. you know, that first conversation is going to tell a lot. Mm-hmm. So assuming we get past the hurdle of, um, you know, a, a, of the experience piece, well then we got to talk about cash. Mm-hmm. And generally speaking, uh, most banks are going to ask for 20% down. So do you have access to that cash? And, you know, where's it coming from and, and so forth. But, you know, if you check the box of experience, you check the box of cash, um, you know, we, we can kind of forward look a little bit on, uh, we, you know, we were talking about a little while ago about uh, projected income, you know, mm-hmm. for that property. Mm-hmm. I do have the ability to, you know, project that income out so that I'm not just hitting that person with a you know, debt on a, on a non-income producing asset. So, right. you know, we can take that projected income into account. So, you know, What
0: about like, so if somebody's trying to get a, you know, traditional mortgage, FHA loan, whatever, um, in the residential world. And, you know, they're going to be scrutinized with their W-2s, how long have they worked at so-and-so place. Do you have that same sort of criteria or?
2: Somewhat. Um, obviously, we've got a loan policy that we've got to follow. But, um, you know, we, we do have some flexibility there. Um, it's not as, as strict, you know, as stringent as, uh, you know, a you know, secondary market loan. Um, all of our loans we do in-house. We keep them in-house. they portfolio loans for us, so we're not looking to sell those. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that does afford us the opportunity to uh, to have some flexibility, you know. And like I said, being a community bank, that allows us the the added flexibility of if something doesn't fit exactly right. Um, obviously, we, we've got to be respectful of you know returns and and you know shareholder value and that kind of stuff. We're not going to do anything reckless, um, but we do have that capability to, to bend when needed.
1: Right. Let's say somebody shows up, they're going to fix and flip a house yep. and they got 20% down, they've got a contractor that you guys know at the bank and y'all yep. worked with them before, all that seems good. What's the biggest mistake that most newbies make?
2: Underestimating the cost to renovate, especially, you know, in, in the, the recent environment and the prices have started to come back down a little bit. but. Mm. You know, three four months ago, with lumber at all time highs, and and uh, you know here lately with supply chain issues, and mm-hmm. you know windows taking four months, and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, just because you could renovate a kitchen for fifteen thousand dollars two years ago, you mm-hmm. know, doesn't mean that same number applies. So that's that's the biggest uh, mistake, I guess. Is, mm-hmm. is you know, I've seen some some newer investors make because you know. If you're only telling me you need X number of dollars and then you exceed that budget and you don't have that cash, it's got to come from somewhere. Right. So, you know, the last thing we want to do is uh, go into a project knowing that there's not sufficient cash to, mm-hmm. to finish the project.
1: So. And so let's say they estimate the repair cost to be 20 grand. Yep. They spend their 20 grand. They still have 10 to go. Yeah. And they come back to you. What do you tell them? And you the You've already funded the twenty grand. Yeah. Do we so, go back to loan committee?
2: Um, for the most part, mm-hmm. um, depending on you know the dollar amount of the loan and that kind of stuff. But if yeah, if the
1: value supports
2: it. That's right. In um, some you know some instances we may uh, may have to have the house reappraised mm-hmm. um, to see if you know there's been additional bump in value. So at that point it becomes a decision on you know you need ten grand, and I'm just making up a number. If it costs you two grand. To redo the loan, yeah. Is that at that really what, at to- what point does it does it make sense? So, mm-hmm. um, but that's that's where you know ultimately it's the borrower's decision. Decision. So, uh, if we can make it happen, we will.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Is there a favorite type of loan uh, or situation that you like to deal with, or, or certain ones that you like to avoid?
2: Um, favorite type of loan? I mean, really, just anything helping folks start businesses. That's really the that's what gets me excited, yeah. you know, helping folks, uh, you know, like I said, start businesses, hiring employees, growing businesses. Um, that's, what's fun. Now, the ones that I don't like, um, and don't like is a strong word, but you know, are, are more difficult. Mm-hmm. It, it's just like we talked about the folks that come to you, their credit is bad. Mm-hmm. They have no cash, you know, no experience. They may have a great idea, mm-hmm. but at that point, you don't really need a banker you need an investor mm-hmm. and uh, so th- those are the those are the hard ones you know you buy into their idea but you know, you, there's just not a whole lot from a bank standpoint you can do so obviously before we tell someone no you know we exhaust all resources mm-hmm. um, there's all sorts of government agencies out there that, that their sole purpose in life you know is to, is to help entrepreneurs you know start and grow businesses so You know, we definitely reach out to those uh, agencies to to see if maybe it's a good fit for them. Mm -hmm. And at that point, if it's not, then, you know, you got to pass the buck. Right. So that's, that's the tough ones. Okay.
1: Do you guys do SBA loans? We do. Yeah. Cool. What, we, are, what are some terms that we can expect? Let's say I want to go start a coffee shop. Yeah. What, what am I looking at?
2: So, I mean, if real estate is involved, we can go up to 25 years. Uh, amortization okay. on the real estate piece. Uh, equipment, you can go up to 10 years, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, in some instances, a little bit longer than that, depending on useful life. But um, we do a lot of SBA loans. Um, I just recently, last month, uh, closed an SBA loan on an assisted living facility. Um, that was a fun project to work on. Um, it was a situation that uh, obviously change of ownership, but you know, you're talking about the jobs of about 50 people. Oh, wow. So you know, it's it's. Is that was, here locally or? Where uh, a little bit, a little bit south of us. Okay. Um, but uh, you know, excellent opportunity for that person to, to buy the facility, and you know, save those jobs and. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a really fun project to work on.
1: Cool. So you said south of us. How big is the lending footprint? Like
2: So generally, uh, for First National, we can go 100 miles from any branch, and that's a 100-mile radius. So considering we've got an LPO, a loan production office in Chattanooga, um, I can go 100 miles north of Chattanooga, so mm-hmm. that takes me to about Knoxville, maybe Nashville. I do mm-hmm. not remember exactly. But um, we've got offices in Rome, so I can go 100 miles west. Mm-hmm. Um, and then our furthest office is uh, in Paulding County down around uh, mm-hmm. Dallas so I can go 100 miles from there and then our furthest office east we really stay I-70 right? yeah that's yeah. what i was gonna say we generally stay I-75 corridor so furthest office east would be Chatsworth so that would 100 miles would probably take me somewhere over into the Gainesville area.
1: Yeah. So. so if you're working with Selling North Georgia you that, pretty much got us covered. Oh yeah yeah
2: <laughs> Yeah, unless you guys, uh, you know, branch out into Western Alabama and you know, getting up into <laughs> We'd the have Carolinas, we have to change the name. And yeah, the name. can't would. do that. Have to so, get new cups. Too. That's right. <laughs> that's good. So, yeah.
0: Awesome. So let's uh, let's shift gears a little bit. Let's go. Um, I'm really curious to hear what you have to say about this. So there was a headline, and I can't remember who it was from. Michael, I know that you remember, um, saying that crypto, uh, maybe specifically Bitcoin, was. What do
1: you say? Worthless? Worthless. Yeah. Jamie Dimon. Okay. Yeah. Uh,
0: So thoughts on that? You agree? He's a banker.
1: You're a banker. (laughs) What are your thoughts on crypto? I I do
2: not think it's worthless. Um, I think obviously worth is in the eye of the beholder. Um, You know, what what makes a dollar worth a dollar? Somebody tells us it's worth a dollar. You know, in our case it's federal government. So, um, you know, the days of of gold and silver being stacked up are are long gone. So. I do not think it's worthless. I do think it's a game changer for mm-hmm. our industry. Um, we have got to adapt to the technology. Blockchain technology is here to stay. Um, there is too large of a market, in my opinion, to say it's worthless. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I was looking around a little bit this morning in anticipation for this question and, and there's like 8700 different cryptocurrencies that's out there on the market right now, Mm -hmm. Um, about $325 billion in market cap. You can't say that's worthless. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, from a use case standpoint, the the technology is just, it's too cutting edge. And it's um, the biggest thing I can relate it to. Take Swift is what it's called right now. So banks, when we wire money, so you come into the bank, and you want to wire money to you know japan okay so you come in we have to have that receiving bank's information we've got to have all all of your bank account information and so forth so we have you sign you know some forms we send that information to a correspondent bank that correspondent bank sends it to the bank in japan there's a currency conversion that goes on during that aspect we're going to charge an outgoing wire fee probably about 20 bucks since it's an international wire the correspondent bank is going to charge a currency conversion fee, and then that receiving bank in Japan is going to charge your customer, or whoever you're sending money to, um, a fee. So just making up a number, if you got $20 from, from our side, $20 from that side, and probably a $15 to $20 currency conversion fee. So that transaction, regardless of the dollar amount, is probably going to cost 50 to $60. bucks. Okay? Mm-hmm. Not to mention the time. So. It's relatively quick given the technology, but call it 24 hours a day. Mm -hmm. Okay. So with crypto, I can sit on my couch at home Mm -hmm. at midnight and send somebody the same amount of money, and they've literally got it within seconds, and it costs me pennies. Mm -hmm. So,
1: which hmm. you can
2: do if you want. If you want oh, to send, If you want to sit on your couch absolutely. and send
0: me specifically yes. crypto, absolutely. <laughs> feel, feel free. Yeah. yeah,
2: yeah, I'll get right on that. Corey's um, ready
1: to prove that uh, aspect of what you just described. Yeah. He's like, let's, let's try that tonight. we got to make yeah. sure. Yeah. we got to make sure. So
2: knowing that consumers have that capability, banks have got to embrace that technology or, or will be left, I mean, in the Stone Age. Mm. So, I mean, so I've got two
1: happen. reasons that Jamie would have said that then. Either he really likes collecting that twenty dollar wire fee, yeah. and he's trying to say crypto's worthless, so yeah. stop doing that and wire money through my bank, or he's buying the dip. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and We're there are significant dips. <laughs> Jamie was trying uh, to cause a dip so that he could buy the dip. Yeah, yeah.
2: So, you know, and, and that's another aspect. Uh, you know, what has to change um, within the industry? There, I think there's got to be regulation. And, and as a as a conservative, I hate regulation. But with the deregulation and and the, uh, you know, the decentralized model of cryptocurrency, that's why you see the volatility that you do. Mm -hmm. So, you know, people are scared to death of it right now because of the volatility. So I think there's got to be regulation for it to be adopted on a wide scale. Mm -hmm. And until you get that regulation, and the mass adoption, you're going to continue to have, you know, the, the wild swings, you mm-hmm. know, up a thousand percent, down a hundred percent, you know, and, and that's what scares folks. Right.
0: So, I think uh, fear of change too, that's, that's definitely right. a, a theme for, mm-hmm. for our day. We yeah. had a, our mastermind meeting this morning and yeah. um, Nathan was leading the discussion about uh, in our industry as realtors, just how, how do you adapt, you know, with technology and everything. and sure. and what he was saying was people are often so resistant to that change that, I mean, you're going to crash and burn if, if you do not embrace it. So that's right. Do you, do you think that that's the general, I guess, mood consensus in your world? Are people really unsure and skeptical of, of crypto? Or I, what?
2: I would say it, it depends on demographic. You know, your um, your older bankers. You know are, are in that segment that is oh it's I don't understand it mm-hmm. um, so I'm scared of it um, your folks that are willing to put in the time to research it and, and understand hey this this can improve things mm-hmm. um, those those are the ones that need to continue to push um, to drive that change um, you know there's a lot of talk I know China you know is, is developing you know, a national digital currency. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of discussion, you know, with the, with the U.S. developing a, a digital currency. Um, I think it's coming. I mean, it, it just is. I don't think there's a way to avoid it. Too many people want it. Yeah. Too far along to, to right, turn back. To, to abandon it. Yeah. yeah.
1: So digital currency is a good segue to my next question. Yeah. What, uh, what does the bank do when the government decides we want to track every transaction <laughs> that's more than 600 bucks. Wow. What, what does the bank do for that?
2: I, I will tell you my personal opinion and I will tell you the general consensus from some some of our senior management at the bank. Um, not a bank opinion, <laughs> talking personal opinions. Um, it is a gross overreach of privacy. It is a power grab. Um, the bank lobby groups, specifically American Bankers Association, Georgia Bankers Association, Community Bankers Association, Mm -hmm. everyone is fighting it tooth and nail. Um, So for those that may not know, you -hmm. know, it's, it's not, uh, it's not law yet, but there, there are a lot of discussions um, around banks being required to furnish to the IRS um, consolidated financial data, for any account that has a value of over $600. That's a lot of folks. That's a lot of bank accounts. So basically what they're what they're asking banks to do is, uh, is to issue a 1099 INT. That's the, the statement that you would normally get if you earned interest of more than $10 on any kind of bank account. And they're wanting to add two more boxes to it. So top box would be total deposits. Mm-hmm. Second box would be total withdrawals and from what i've read what i can gather what they're after is if an individual say they have w2 income of 50 grand mm-hmm. but they make total deposits into their checking account of 75 grand well where did that extra $25,000 come from and they're, bitcoin <laughs> so they're they're looking for you know potential uh, income that they can tax hmm. so you know that's that's your yard sale income that's your selling you know a couch selling a car you Mm -hmm. know whatever Mm -hmm. um i don't feel like that's any of the government's right to know Mm -hmm. um as far as what it's going to do to banks oh my goodness um just the sheer amount of data that that's going to require us to turn over it it don't come free right you know data um It's expensive for us to consolidate. Obviously, we pay a third-party vendor for for data management and and collection. so you know, that's going to make our operating costs go up. Um, From a compliance standpoint, the the cost to banks, especially community banks, I mean, it's going to be enormous and um, you know, all of your old-school you know, bank operating efficiency ratios and that kind of stuff, mm. you can throw all that out the window because this is something that's, I mean, we've never experienced. So
1: I would have to think that it would also lead to my free checking account being my $25 <laughs> a month checking account. Right? I
2: would hope it doesn't get that severe, but, I you mean, know, it's... Uh, like,
1: well, when you think about it, like, you just said $600. That's 99.9% of the people right. that you have at your bank. Like, yeah. I mean, there's going to be... Folks like my dad, who literally don't put any money in the bank and never draw anything yeah. out. I mean, like he's not going to get reported, but he's like one in a million. You know, yeah. I, I can't imagine the amount of effort it would take to yeah. put all that together. And, I mean,
2: and of course, the federal government. You know, they they're not bankers. They don't understand. You know what it takes to uh, accumulate that data. So I mean, to mm-hmm. them, it's oh, well, just mash a button on a keyboard, <laughs> and yeah. you know, you got it. So it's real simple. But mm-hmm. it, you know, that's not the case. Mm-hmm um but like i said my, my personal opinion it's it's just a it's an overreach that a line that doesn't need to be crossed
0: mm-hmm. and uh if, if this is something that's happening how, how soon is this
2: i mean it it's being proposed now as part of the uh what is it the build, build back better uh, yeah, that's program the, that's the acronym mm-hmm. 3.5 trillion to. dollar budget yeah.
1: item that's on the Congress floor right now so
2: so it's being debated Um, like I said all of the the, our industry lobby groups are pushing extremely hard against it Governor Kemp has uh, for Georgia you know obviously has has issued a a public statement saying he is opposed to it and Mm -hmm. and will fight it tooth and nail for Georgia banks but um, you know when the federal government mandates it, I I don't know how I don't know how that'll play out you know I'm sure it'll if this bill passes um, I'm sure there will be lawsuits around the country, you know, from from the various states that are, are gonna yeah. fight it. So. to be determined and it's gonna be interesting to see how it how it plays out.
1: So you mentioned Governor Kemp and Georgia and yeah, we are the selling North Georgia team. So mm-hmm. we often get phone calls from people that are in Florida or wherever, Mississippi, you know, Kentucky, looking to move to this area. So What is it that makes the Ramsey family live here in Georgia? What what do you like about this area?
2: Well, I mean, born and raised for one, Mm -hmm. um, I've never called anywhere else home. Mm -hmm. Um, All of my family's from here, Emily's family's from here. Um, You know, Dalton specifically, it's it's a small town feel. Mm
1: -hmm. You
2: know, it's where we wanted to raise our kids. Um, You know, you're close enough for big cities if if that's your thing, you -hmm. know, if you want the nightlife or whatever. from a geographic standpoint, you're six hours to the beach, you're two hours to the mountains. Um, you know, everything is in uh, you know close proximity. But like I said, more than that, it's just uh, it just feels like home.
1: Yeah, we often get asked like, um, what is there to do in Dalton, or um, you know, somebody out of town wants to know why they would want to live here. Like yeah, maybe are maybe the husband's getting transferred to a carpet manufacturer or maybe the wife's coming to to work at one of these places and they're like okay if I have to move my family here what what do we do so what's a fun Friday night look like for the Ramsey family with two kiddos that <laughs> F- are football pre-teens? season or not <laughs> yeah for
2: real so uh, you know obviously football season you've, mm-hmm. you've got some great athletes at various schools so so that's always fun um non-football season it's uh we're pretty boring. <laughs> um, you know, Netflix and chill, kind of. But, um, you know, there, there's all kinds mm-hmm. of stuff. Uh, obviously, parks nearby, uh, several state parks in close proximity as far as nightlife. I mean, a lot of activity around the meal, you mm-hmm. know, your axe throwing and, and great restaurants downtown. Um, Burr Park, you know, during your warmer months is constantly having, you know, concerts, you know, mm-hmm. their concert series. So, you know, there, there is plenty to do in Dalton specifically for folks that that want that.
1: Yeah. All right, to wrap it up, you mentioned is it football season or not when you're talking no. about what the family's up to. So, um, tell us who who's going to win the game on uh, Saturday between the Dogs and the Wildcats. Oh, man, that's
2: an easy one. Dogs on top uh, uh, by at least 17.
0: We have a winner.
1: Oh, well, the the I think the um, the spread's 24, so yeah. the dogs are not covering the spread for the first time. I think time it's
2: going to be a battle. Um, okay. Kentucky's legit. Yeah. But, uh, you know, Ladd McConkey's going to come go. out, and he's going to pick up a couple TDs, I bet. <laughs> and uh, I, I just don't think our defense can, can be stopped.
1: Dogs on top 17. Yep, you that's, heard it here that's first. my prediction. All right, fair, fair enough.
0: Fair enough. Brad, thank you for coming out talking with us. Uh, learned a lot of good info about what you're up to over at First National Community Bank. as a mouthful. (laughs) Um, How can people get in touch with you if they need your help?
2: Yeah, so cell phone number 706-270-4752. Welcome to call or text on that number anytime or email is brad.ramsey at fncbank.com.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, he does not realize that we have millions of, of viewers <laughs> watching this show. That is and fine. There's a cell phone number. He talked about accessibility earlier. There you go. Yeah, that's right. Your business is about to blow up. I hope so.
0: <laughs> On that note, thank you guys for watching. We will see you next week. I'm Corey Shields.
1: I'm Michael Williams.
0: See ya.